Welcome to the Glam Observer podcast. I'm Jada and I'm the founder of GlamObserver.com. In case you're new here, Glam Observer is a platform to inspire, inform, motivate and help all the young girls who want to work in fashion, beauty and blogging. Before starting this new episode, I would like to introduce you our just launched membership program. Are you ready to join us to become a girl with a plan? Our members have access to exclusive content, a box for girls with a plan, a free bag, discounts to our events and much, much more. If you're interested and you want to become a member and you want to join all the girls with a plan out there, visit glamobserver.com. So now let's start this new episode. Let me first tell you that I'm very excited to be back with a new episode of the podcast after our little break. We already recorded some really amazing episodes and our guests are fashion professionals, digital experts and girl bosses who launched their own business and I'm so proud and excited to share with you their tips and advice about the fashion, digital and blogging industry. Today I'm here with Emmanuel. We are going to chat with an amazing woman. She worked for Gucci, Barneys, Macy's and many other companies until she founded her own business. Some months ago, she has been included in the WWD Top 20 Women Leaders in Business for 2017. I am really excited to have today with us Shama Maher, CEO of Scaling Retail, the consulting firm for global fashion and retail brands. Today we're going to talk with her to know her career path that led her to launch Scaling Retail and I think she's going to have so much words of wisdom to share with us today. Hello Shama and welcome. It's a pleasure for us to have you here today. We have never met and this is the first time we're speaking, so we and our listeners are super curious to listen your inspiring career story. So before diving into scaling retail, we would like to know your career path. Could you talk us through your studies and how and why did you start working in fashion? Absolutely. Thank you, Jada. I'm so excited to be here. What you provide for your audience is It's such a service, and uh, it's a pleasure to be able to be here and talk to you about scaling retail and starting off with my, my career path. So you might say that I'm someone who always knew that I was going to be in fashion. Um, when I was about nine years old, my very first paper for school was talking about how I noticed at Macy's that products would go on sale. Now, for a nine-year-old, this is very unusual, <laughs> and I would be so observant about the fact that things go on sale. Um, as I proceeded through life and through my high school studies, um, I was deeply inspired by an economics professor, where I started to understand how business worked, right, how markets worked, and the power of, you know, the power of markets, and that really turned me on to you know, the idea of business, right? And so for me, it was really this combination of fashion and business that got me very excited. By the time I was, you know, 16 years old, I was looking at the job board of LVMH, you know, back at home in San Francisco, because I was already starting to think about what type 
types of career paths would be ahead of me in this area of business and fashion. So it's by no accident that I ended up where I am today. In fact, it was very, very deliberate and intentional. I'm at university. I studied economics and philosophy. I always knew that I needed to have a strong quantitative background and understand, again, how markets work, how people work. Because ultimately, fashion and retail is not just trends. It's really the science behind how people purchase. It's the science behind supply and demand. And it's simply just as executed through emotions and through product. So for me, this was the most interesting, interesting career path. Um, and I really knew that I wanted to be in fashion, but I didn't know exactly the area that I wanted to be in, you know? It's possible that I could have been in, in the finance side of a company, right? Or it's possible I could have gone through any number of paths. Um, but it became very clear to me once I finished my studies that going into planning and merchandising was the most best, uh, was really the best combination of quantitative analysis as well as understanding emotional drivers and how consumers behave and what they want to purchase. That's really cool. Is that why actually you started as an e-commerce merchant and e-commerce planner at Barney's? So my first role that I that I started out of university was at Macy's, and I was very fortunate to get accepted into their business development program. Now, a business development program is really almost like a trade program where they say, hey, we're going to pay you so that you can learn how to do these things, and then we will place you into our, you know, into a department upon finishing the program. And to be honest, ladies, at the time, it was between you know, going into finance in a more specific way around retail or one of these opportunities. And so I'm very fortunate that Macy's was my first step into that direction. Now, at Macy's, I was in, you know, I was in a, what they call better active department. So I was in the planning side for companies like Nike. We were working with Adidas, Puma, and some private label brands. And from there, I said, wow, I really understand right now the sports market. I understand right now the private label market. And I understand kind of this big box retailer, right? What is next, right? How can I then start to round out my experiences? And so it was really from there, and I got very lucky. I had a, a friend of a friend who introduced me to someone at Barney's. And the e-commerce division was a very new division. This is back in... 2007, right? There were not that many people that were working yeah. in e-commerce. In fact, the idea of like content manager, the idea of all these different things, very, very new. And I said to myself, wow, this is an amazing opportunity to be on the forefront of what's happening in e-commerce and on the luxury side. There were no more than five people in the department of e-commerce, and I was very, very glad to be one of them. So that was kind of the, the beginnings of how I started to realize I needed to round out experience. Not only did I now have this big department store experience, but then I was moving into this e-commerce role. And then I moved into Uchi, I moved into the alcohol from understanding e-commerce and luxury to then understanding brick and mortar 
right, and luxury, and then also looking at this off-price world. So for me, my career has always been about how can I understand all the different areas of retail? How can I understand all the different types of businesses in order to best round up my experience? Okay, so basically you're focusing on retail because of your previous experiences and what are your passions? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you guys think about what retail means in the world, everyone participates in retail, right? Everyone needs it. And everyone is buying things constantly. And so for me, understanding all the different ways in which businesses can operate, all the different ways in which these fashion and retail companies execute on their campaigns, on their buys, on everything, it's fascinating because it is truly right an industry that always needs to buy a lipstick, right? We will always need to buy clothing, right? We will always need these things. And so the deeper, it was a, it's a very passionate um, thing that I have, right? It's like when you truly understand retail, you can kind of unlock so many different things about this world we live in. Yes, absolutely agree with you. You set up Scaling Retail in 2018. And when you were still Barney. Can you tell us how this came about? Did someone inspire you to create Scaling Retail or did you find out there was a breach in the market regarding retail consulting? Yes. So this is such a great such a great feeling to, to be able to share this. So while I was at Barney's and in fact when I you know started working in retail in general, all of a sudden when someone hears that you work for a store you start to get all sorts of emails, right? You get emails from people that are like, hey, I want to pitch you my event. I want to pitch you my product. I want, you know, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And what was really fascinating is through spending lots of time with uh, different peers of mine and, again, getting more understanding the market, understanding what it takes to be a successful brand and business, it really became evident to me that there's no one out there that was helping these brands understand how to operate a business. There were certainly people, right, who had great products. They had great ideas. You know, they were graduating from the top fashion schools, and they really had an eye for trend. But they lacked a lot of business fundamentals and understanding how to market, understanding how to sell, how to set up their businesses. So I really saw a fantastic hole in the market. My original intent, and it still remains the same intent, was to be able to offer the kinds of consulting and that business background that you would get from McKinsey or Accenture, but without that heavyweight business management, big dollar sign type of um, investment, right? There was no one who was saying, hey, let me show you how to do this. Let me educate you. And this will actually really help be the right let's say, counterpart or balance to the creative side of the company. So basically, you found your partners through the job. You didn't have to look for them right at the beginning when you started the business because everyone was emailing you, right? People were emailing me, but I certainly didn't want to make a bad name for myself, right? And I couldn't, I couldn't take on any uh, breach of my contract, let's say. So my very first outreach was to a list of 50 of my friends in New York City, and I said, hey, guys, I'm launching this consulting company. These are all the things that I am buying, and these are the things that I'm doing. 
And if you know anyone who would like to um, consult, you know, have these consultations or these services, please let me know. And I have to tell you, ladies, it was uh, the most scariest, <laughs> 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 the scariest thing that I had ever done is writing my friends and telling them this. But it was really them that became my biggest evangelist. You know, they sent me my first clients, and it was through word of mouth and recommendation that I was able to really launch the business. Amazing. During the whole time, so you build your portfolio. Was it difficult um, to talk to uh, you know the you were working at Barney's at Barney's to tell them you you had that because sometimes when you are working in a company you cannot you know do something because it's a breach of contract. Was it a problem for you? Yeah, so, you know, nothing that I was doing was in conflict with anything um, that, was do that was related to my job. So that, I think, was great. You know, so it's really important, I think, when launching something on the side that you really make sure that it is in a non-conflict, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, consulting a business, I certainly wasn't, you know, making introductions to people at Barney's, you know, with this um, consulting that I was doing. I was really careful to kind of tread the balance between, you know, launching my business, starting to help people, fine-tuning what I can offer, and then obviously, you know, my position and what I was doing at, at Barney. So fortunately for me, um, the way that I went about doing it, there, there was no conflict. You know, I'd say the only thing that was in conflict was um, the fact that my evenings were taken away by my new work <laughs> and that my boyfriend at the time didn't much appreciate uh, my nights and weekends going away from him um, and to my new passion. <laughs> so I think that was the only conflict uh, that I really had to mitigate. But otherwise, I think, unlike maybe some other people in different industries where, you know, they have to, they're, what they're doing is kind of almost a direct competition, if you say, with their current job, but it's very lucky that these were two very separate things. How long did it take for you to quit your daily job and focusing only on scaling retail? Yes, that's a great question. So I started focusing purely on scaling retail in 2012. So it took me about four years of testing, pivoting, growing the business. Certainly when you grow a business, it's very important to balance, right? You want to make sure that you're offering the right services. You want to make sure you can actually do what you say you can do. And obviously, when you start anything for the first time, it's, it's a whole new thing. Even if you understand how to, you know, do cash flow and business modeling, it doesn't mean you know how to market your own company, right? It doesn't mean that you understand how to grow your own business because it can help other people grow their businesses. It's very different, right? Being an entrepreneur requires you to have a certain level of mental acuity that allows you to be sharp and pivot and make decisions. And really, you have to hone in on what your craft is and how you're going to position. You know, it took me a few years to make sure that, hey, this is not just something I've done one year or two years, but this is actually a replicable Uh, business that I can do. This is something that there is a demand in the marketplace. This is something where people want what it is that I have to offer. And to be honest, in the beginning, there really weren't other people who were offering this. You know, it's only now in 2017, 2018, where there are so many floods of, you know, fashion consultants that are marketing themselves as people who can help other businesses, but very few of them actually, you know, have had 
the experience, or very few of them have actually gone in there and done the work, right, to be able to say these are the actual tangible results, and they've really honed in on their craft. So I feel really fortunate that I had those years to be able to hone in on my specialization, become very good at what it is that I do, and really create create the market. Yeah, great. Personally, when I launched my company, I was just an intern because I'm 25. So I decided to quit my job and, and focusing directly and only on my company. And sometimes I think that this, there are, of course, constant pros of quitting your job and focusing only on your business. But I think that it's also important to create a network of people. So sometimes I think maybe I should have a little bit of more experience in before focusing only on my company. That's interesting because I think that, you know, there's two different ways that I always tell people, you know, people launch companies in two ways, right? One is they go full speed ahead and they launch and they have an idea and then they, you know, get right into it and then they seek assistance and counsel when they need it, right? And so I think that that's a really important factor, right? A lot of the people that come to Scaling Retail really come to us for two reasons. You know, the first is they want to do it right the first time, so they're ready to make a commitment, right? Maybe they still have their job. Maybe they've just quit their job and they're saying, hey, I really want to do this, right? So they are ready to go. And the other kind of client that we get a lot, and I'm speaking really in startups, right? We get lots of other clients, but really in the startup, the other type of client is the one who is in it, they've been doing it themselves, and then they've hit a wall. They are like, I've done everything that I can do, I've researched everything that's possible, and I still can't figure this out, right? I'm still not getting the results I want. And then they come to us very specifically with an intent to kind of pivot, fix X, Y, and Z, um, and really be able to, you know, move their business in a way that they haven't. And so I do think that, you know, businesses, uh, people have different mentalities in terms of how they think as an entrepreneur. As you guys know, being an entrepreneur puts you up against everything, puts you up against your own limitations, mm -hmm. it puts you up against your own concepts of finances and what money truly means. It really tells you how creative you can be with your business modeling and your business planning and the entire life cycle of a brand, right? So it really just puts you up against everything and it really is a testament to whether or not, you know, you should be in the industry or not. Because as you guys know, not everyone is meant to be in this industry, right? It's not it's not that everyone deserves, you know, to have a brand or everyone deserves to have a business. Certainly not, right? We can all want those things, but you have to have a certain mindset, right? There's a certain kind of discipline and practice that you have to embody in order to really execute on something as ambitious as launching a business. Yeah. So um, during your process of launching Scanning Retail, you also moved from New York to LA. Why did you move and how did it affect your work? Oh my gosh. So <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I, moved, I moved for love. Um, so, so <laughs> I can tell you guys, I never, I never, ever, ever in my life thought I'd move to Los Angeles, um, mostly because I 
grew up in San Francisco, and anyone from San Francisco knows that you grow up and you're like, oh, L.A., who would live in L.A., right? It's like, L.A., they don't, they don't do anything down there. It's all entertainment, and, you know, there's nothing happening. And so I really grew up with this kind of poor um, misconception about Los Angeles. <laughs> and obviously moving from San Francisco to New York, it was like there's something better than New York. Um, so I have to say, I took I took a chance on love. I moved to Los Angeles because of that. And what was really incredible about moving to LA is the sheer amount of focus, um, the sheer amount of focus that I was able to apply to my work. So you know, I had been in New York about twelve years, and. What was so incredible about being in New York was obviously my immense work experience and history. You know, I was at a startup. I was at all these big companies. I did some amazing things. You know, at Gucci, my business went from $50 million to $100 million in two years. You know, like really incredible things. Launched my company in New York. I mean, so many amazing things. And for me, when I moved to Los Angeles, it actually it just really allowed me to focus very deeply in growing the business, right? It really allowed me to dedicate a lot of time, mostly because a lot of my friends were still in New York, so I didn't have as many parties to go to. Um, <laughs> there, weren't as many, there weren't as many, you know, nights out or late nights out, and so my business really, really benefited from that, and it continued to. I mean, now I travel just a, a tremendous amount, you know, and, um, you know, I was in Paris a couple months ago speaking at IFA and, you know, mm-hmm. I was in Istanbul for Brand Week and, you know, I get to I get to do so much amazing travel and so my life is still very, even probably more so global now than it used to be and I really credit being in Los Angeles and having this home base um, that allows me to take my work to this global platform. Wasn't it also that the pace in LA was, let's say, a little bit slower than New York? And did you also find like different type of uh, businesses, clients to work with? Because it's not the same vibe, you know, these two cities. So what's interesting is, you know, my my clients are actually are very global. So my clients are still. A lot of them are in New York. I have a lot in, you know, the Midwest, like Chicago, Texas, California. And it was always very spread out like this. I have clients right now in um, Bali, in Canada, in Paris, you know. So it's, it's always been very global. So mm-hmm. moving to Los Angeles did not change my clientele, mm-hmm. you know. I think moving to Los Angeles, again, gave me more space. Uh, more space to be able to do things. And to be honest, you know, yes, there is a lot to be said about being at those events and networking at those parties. And by that, I mean in New York, you know, kind of being present. And so I make a great effort to be back in New York every three or four months. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm there. We have a satellite office there. Oh. Um, and so it's, yeah, so it's great that we can you know, be by coastal, which I think is really kind of everyone right now in New York and in LA is really looking for that by coastal type of lifestyle. You know, be tapped into New York, be tapped into what's happening there, be present, and then also be able to really focus on the craft and hone in on things that LA allows you to do. 
That's really cool. I also think that uh, some people have some misconceptions about consulting because I don't think actually a lot of them actually know what it is, you know, what a consultant does. So can you explain exactly sure. how consulting works? Are there meetings, phone calls, homework given to the clients, something yeah. like that? Of course, of course. So, you know, at Scale and Retail, we actually, you know, we do three things, right? So we are, you know, one part of the company is an agency. And on the agency side, we do branding, we do communication strategies, we do digital marketing, we do a lot of things for the clients, right? And that's really what an agency is. And I think most people are familiar with what agencies do, right? They, they produce the work. The other part of the business is a media company, and we have our YouTube channel, we have a lot of content, we have a huge blog, we basically just produce content, right? So we are a media business. And then the last part of the company, certainly probably the most important, is the consulting, um, and that is really an interesting process. So, you know, every consultant has their own approach. You know, at Scaling Retail, we have a few retail consultants that we have on our team. I'm certainly, you know, at the helm of the philosophy and how we do things. Mm -hmm. But really what a consultant is there to do, in my opinion, is to really be a hired pain in the ass. Um, that is really what I think our role is. We meet with our clients quite regularly. We set out a roadmap, which is what they need to be doing Uh, what the goals are, what the milestones are, what we think you know they need to be accomplishing, and then we work with them very closely in achieving the goals. Now, a consultant's role is obviously very different than, let's say, working on the agency side, right? So, a great example of that would be, you know, if a client is interested in understanding what their market looks like, right, and they want to do a market analysis. Well, on the consulting side, we will provide them with the tools and guide them through and challenge them on their own research, right? We'll challenge them on what they're finding. We'll kind of lead them down various paths and have them do the work, come back to us, and we'll have a conversation. On the agency side, we will do the market research for them, right? So we will sit down and look at trend analysis, trend forecasting. We will conduct focus groups and do interviews, and we will tell them, hey, for the business you want to create, here is your market positioning. Here is how we think you have the biggest opportunity in the market. Here are the price points. So that's a really big distinction, right, between consulting and an agency. A lot of our clients who love consulting, they love it because they want to learn a lot, right? These are the people who are the most interested in, um, they're the most interested in learning how the business operates. They're the most interested in, you know, getting their feet really dirty, right? Getting their feet wet. And they, they want to know everything. And so what's really exciting for us when we do consulting is we get to have our hands in the very inner workings of our clients. We've had clients whose businesses have increased five-fold in the last two years. We have businesses that have increased three times in the last one year. But these are, this is really incredible, right? It's so amazing. Yeah. And the reason why we're able to have these kinds of results is that we are able 
to work closely across all the different sectors of their company. The biggest issue that I find that most consultants have these days is they will consult on one area of the business without understanding the implications on the other sides of the business. So a really good example of that is if I'm going to consult you on merchandising and products, well, I certainly better have an idea of what marketing looks like, right, and, and who your demographics are. I should have a good understanding of market positioning, right? I should also understand your sales channels if I'm going to consult you on your product. So for us, we really focus on the synergy of sales, marketing, and merchandising, right, which is basically all the main business fundamental areas, right? We look at cash flow, we look at financing, that's really not, you know, product development, right? We keep our hands out of developing the product. We don't make things. <laughs> we don't want to make things. Um, I can't draw for my life. I'm terrible at drawing. Um, so we don't do that. We don't do the things that we don't do, right? We only do the things that we're really strong in. And so consultants need to have that, right? They need to have a well-rounded experience and knowledge base to understand how one piece of advice will really impact everything else. But when you say has, how many people work with you for scaling retail? Yeah, so um, as of today, we have 11 people who work with us. Um, it is a mix of different people. So we've got retail consultants, brand strategists, web developers, graphic designers. Um, we've got an amazing group of people. Um, and again, they all kind of fit into one of the three buckets, right? Either they work with us on the agency side and they're just working with clients. They are, you know, working on the consulting side, so it's that one-on-one type of attention. Or they're working internally to really focus and shape our media content. On your website, I can see that you have a network of partners. These partners yeah. are the people who work with you or they are different people? Yeah, so our partners are people who we um, have great relationships with, right? Mm -hmm. So when we think about who you have access to, right, and it's certainly not a, not a cohesive list, right? We work with many, many more people. But when people come to work with us at Scaling Retail and they need a recommendation for a great attorney or a great lawyer, We want to be able to provide them with people who we know are great. I'm not a lawyer, right? I can't. I can look at your contract and I can tell you what I think, um, but I'm not a lawyer. I'm also not a you know certified public accountant, right? I'm, I'm not a CPA. Um, I don't practice tax law, but I definitely yeah. have access to resources to be able to um, to provide that to them. So our partners are really, you know, our resource partners that we. Um, connect and can connect our clients to if it would help our businesses. Yeah, and how did you find your partners and how did you convince them to work with you, especially at the beginning? Yeah, so you know what's really great is when you are very social, you have a lot of friends, <laughs> it's very easy um, to get introductions and it's very easy to meet people and Um, and so I feel like there's something to be said about having a tremendous amount of passion for what you do, right? And without having passion, without having uh, the work ethic, no one wants to be really associated with that, right? It's like, oh, well, I don't really know that person. 
Um, but I think what's important here is, you know, through sharing people what our vision is, um, through being honest about what we do, what we don't do, we find that our list of partners kind of continue to grow, you know. And, again, there's something to be said about the company that you keep, you know. I'm very, very fortunate that throughout my career, not only has my career advanced and I'm so fortunate to be where I am today, but still have those of my, of my cohorts, right, of, of my friends and of our community in general. So I feel like everyone kind of, if you will, rises up together. Thank you. So you mentioned that you're also a media company that's actually the way we discovered you, like through Instagram. And we were surprised uh, at the beginning because we never saw a consultant company doing, doing that. So is it something that you thought from the beginning or is it something you integrated step by step when you were building up scaling retail? Yeah, so one thing, a big, a big thing that I had at the beginning of this business and just understanding the industry is the industry is very opaque. There's not a lot of real honest information. And there's a lot of ambiguity. And because of that, a lot of people, entrepreneurs, even existing business owners, spend a lot of money getting bad information, right? And so my philosophy was that information should be available, the right information, the right kinds of questions need to be asked. You know, this information is not, this information is not the golden ticket. The golden ticket is how you apply the information, right? The golden ticket is, what you do with the information, how much you listen to it, and incorporate it into what your business is or how you think about things. So for me, sharing information is really a pleasure, right? It gives us a huge impact in the market. It allows us to really influence how people are shaping their businesses. And having the presence on Instagram, having a robust blog, having a great YouTube channel – is so valuable, I think, to shifting the way in which we think about growing businesses and being in fashion and being in retail. And so for me, it was always a huge focus, right? I can definitely tell you that the early Instagram days of the business don't look as pretty as the most recent <laughs> in the last couple of years. It definitely looks better now. Um, but for me, information was always important. Ladies, if you take a look at our very first YouTube video, it was me at my dining room table in a sweater, very low, you know, low, low, low budget, right? Just me in front of my computer sharing people, right, sharing with people ideas and thoughts and strategy around retail, you know, and that's, that's where it started. And I think that, you know, uh, for me, the most important thing about that is it, it's sharing the information that makes the impact. It doesn't matter how it's being shared, but you need to be able to open that door. And I think that the more information that's out there that is credible, the more information that's out there that really helps other people, then you'll actually see better businesses, right, and better impact. And I have to tell you guys, it's so funny, but a lot of clients who come to work with us, they tell us, yes, we listen to your videos every day. Yeah, but that, that's... We are following it. When I saw your Instagram, then I subscribed to your newsletter, and it's a real pleasure to read you, your newsletter, you know, and then I click and I go on your YouTube and I look at every um, 
I look at every video you did because even though I worked in e-commerce before, I sincerely have no idea of how retail works really. So that's also a great learning for me. Yeah, I think also there is a really great strategy today to create also content for your business because I mean everyone can say okay I am a consulting a consultant I can do this this and this but if you if you write and produce content like you you can really prove what what you're able to do and of course people trust you I think there's really important a must today to have content like what you do if you want to to start every kind of business Yeah, I, I agree. You know, the one thing that I always tell my clients are that, you know, you might be selling a product, but you're really a media company first, especially in fashion. And the reason why that's an important concept is your first touch point with your consumer is some form of media, yeah. right? The last touch point is usually the product, especially mm -hmm. if you are direct to consumer, right? That's yeah. the, last, yeah. the last touch point is the product at their house. But the first touch point is some form of media. And so your media needs to be consistent. It needs to be authentic. You know, when we shoot our video content, it's not scripted, right? We have some ideas of what I want to say. And, you know, I definitely have, you know, I have some talking points. But it's very genuine, you know, and it's not based on um, – what I think people want to hear, right? It's based on my experience of what I've seen that works and what I've seen that doesn't work and where I think things are going or not going. But it, it's very much authentic. And I think that, you know, in this day and age of recycling content or copying other people's content or however you want to do it, there's an element of authenticity that you can't replicate, You know, it's like if you're really authentic about what you say, what you do, it's going to be consistent. And you're going to be the same way that you are on a video as you are when you are on an edited video, as you are when you're live, right? Now we do YouTube Live Weekly, as you are when you're on a podcast, right? You're the same person, right? The, the information, the philosophy, everything is consistent. And that is something that you really can't replicate. Yeah, I agree. So some of our listeners are or could be fashion entrepreneurs or are planning to launch their own fashion company. Can you tell us what they should do and check before lunch? Yeah, that's a very good question. We might need like a whole other hour to unpack that question. Um, you know, I think the biggest, the biggest piece of advice is to really understand how much money you can invest in your business. And the reason why I think the most important is it basically tells you the parameters that you have to work within. So if you want to launch a business and you only want to invest, let's say, $20,000, you know, into your business, well, you're probably going to, first of all, that's very, very, very little. But, you know, for the purpose of this example, you know, you're going to you know, say, okay, well, maybe I can only produce one type of product. Right? Maybe instead of a whole collection, I can only produce one product. So now, what kind of product can I produce that's so specialized? All right, so this $20,000 is going to take me how long? Well, if I produce one product and I'm going to produce it in different colors each season, well, that's going to save me money on product development. It's going to save me money on 
you know, let's say if I can get the blanks, it's going to save me money on, like, buying different fabrics, and I'm just dying it. And so I can invest all, more money into marketing and more money into getting the branding and getting the product discovered, right? So, and then if you have, let's say, $250,000 to get off the ground, you can say, great, now what's available to me? Okay, I want to produce, you know, a few collections a year, or I want to do deliveries, you know, every other month, and I want to do these kinds of channels. And this 250000 is going to get me, let's say, through 18 months, right? And then if I get this amount of sales, or I'm going to need to get a next round of, you know, funding or go friends and family, you know, where is that tipping point going to be? So money is important because money actually, while people think of it as a limitation, frees you. The money frees you to be able to think creatively about how to launch something. And so the biggest launch strategy is to understand how much money you have, how long it's going to last you, and to create a business model and a strategy that allows your dollar to get the most amount of impact. Yeah. And also, success doesn't happen overnight. So, how long does you think to launch a business and start seeing some results? Oh my gosh, you guys, it totally depends. So, let me tell you. So, one of our clients, I think two of our well, more, okay, well, definitely I'll mention two of our clients. So, two of our clients really, like, relaunched. They came to, they came to us, you know, we were doing consulting, we helped them through their rebrand. We helped them through finding the right PR people. Um, really incredible stuff. One of our clients ended up selling on Moda Operandi and during her second oh, wow. season. This was her relaunch. And she got picked up on Moda. Um, she was also featured in, you know, Nylon Magazine and in Style. And, I mean, just like glamour. She was Her, her handbags were sitting next to Prenza Schuller. It was like... It was like, oh, my God, like, this is, you know, we just really nailed it, right? We just nailed it. Um, another one of our clients, oh, my gosh, real simple, top 10 gifts for the holidays. This was her relaunch. Again, came to us you know, we're during consulting. We're helping her through, you know, we walked her through the rebrand, entire you know, PR, just getting everything together. Very different company, very different type of product, and we were really able really, really able to be able to get her, again, her second season, but really it's your first, right? If you're rebranding and relaunching, it's kind of like your first. Um, and, oh, my gosh, amazing press. Um, and she sold out of her collection this holiday. She sold out of it. It was incredible. So yeah, I have to tell you, some, some clients I have, it's like, you know, they don't get it together fast enough or, like, they just have a lot of issues that happen, and so it takes them – 18 months, 24 months in order to really see results. So it's a combination of, you know, your finances, your determination, right, how much you're able to kind of work on your business, and then also really your mental framework. You know, again, not everyone is really set out to be a business owner or an entrepreneur. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I think we can go with the last question. So, what was the biggest project you took on so far since you started scaling retail? Mm, so, this year, this was so exciting. We had the pleasure of working with the United Nations. Um, we, it was so incredible, and we worked with them on a digital marketing initiative. So, they 
represented. So one of the United Nations projects was in Nepal, and it was a Pashmina collective. So it was 60 different artisans, over 60, that were getting together to produce this particular type of Pashmina that was very, very high-end, mm-hmm. uh, very kind of luxury Pashmina. And so we went about a website redesign. We did a um, digital marketing activation in the U.S. and Japan. And we had a creative director fly to Nepal to help orchestrate and do a photo shoot out there. So it was a very, very exciting and big project for us. It was big because it not only was in fashion, of course, in retail, but it was also big because it really felt like we were doing something highly ethical, um, very much in terms of labor and ability. You know, it was very, very important to us, I think, as a a touchstone of the business to say, yes, like, we believe in these things. And we want to put our time and energy behind supporting these types of initiatives. So that, to me, I think was really an, an epic project for us that happened this year and I'm very excited about what's going to happen for 2018. You know, we have um, some amazing proposals out, so I can't speak of anything yet, but um, <laughs> big retail projects, big retail developments. You know, we are big uh, proponents of not just focusing on e-commerce, but also focusing on brick and mortar. So a lot of our projects are both e-commerce and brick and mortar. We're opening up a store actually should launch in the fall, but we're working with them now in Bahrain, um, a brick-and-mortar location, right? So we are really focused on global retail. We are really focused on brick-and-mortar and and e-commerce. We believe the future is the synergy and synthesis of mobile, you know, desktop, obviously tablets, um, and and brick-and-mortar, and that we really need all of these different touch points in order to create you know, the best customer experience and to really become customer-centric. So that is what we're continuing to do. You know, I think next year will be still lots of speaking events. You know, I do a lot of speaking at Magic, at yeah. trade show in Vegas, and um, the different trade shows, you know, around the country. And it's, um, it's very exciting. You know, I'll be back in Paris in June speaking at um, one of the business schools there. So, you know, Public speaking, continuing to spread the word of, you know, futuristic thinking and also pragmatic thinking for the entrepreneur, and then really focusing on the synergy, I think, is really where things are going to head. Please come to uh, Milan or, or London, so we would like to hear you speak, actually, <laughs> if you can. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I, I love Milan. Um, I was there about... A year and a half ago, but it was certainly just for vacation. <laughs> but next time, next time for work, I will definitely, definitely let you guys know. Thank you, Sana. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and everything.